Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 334. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and always educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening once again. Thank you for downloading. First-time listeners, we're glad you found us, and we hope we turn you into a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennick, and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, the future of the smartphone. Another company's announced a foldable phone. So what is the future? We've got an opinion on that, and we're going to share it. Optus has launched its new 5G network, which for some customers will replace the NBN. And Facebook is celebrating its 15th birthday. Can you believe it? Already 15 years. We'll take you through the platform's highs and lows. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Uniden AppCam X56 security camera, the Kensington Dock that can add more versatility to your laptop and add to your productivity and audible has launched a new audio books campaign and we'll wrap it all up with the tech guide help desk and it's all brought to you by netgear australia's number one brand of home wi-fi products and also norton the company to help keep you and your family safe online a huge show for you so let's waste no time well the talk of 2019 is certainly going to be, in the smartphone space, is certainly going to be all about foldable phones. The form factor is going to radically change this year. I've actually just posted a video, too, on our Tech Guide YouTube channel. You can view it on Tech Guide as well uh, on, on, this, on the website. But uh, it is my take on what we're going to see this year as well as what I predict will be the future. So you can watch it. You can listen right now, but you can also watch it. There's some great overlays of the products. You can see some of them that's coming out, but hope you can tune into that YouTube video. But uh, it is uh, no denying it, 2019 phones are going to fold. Uh, We've already seen Samsung's Infinity Flex display. They, They announced that back in November and demonstrated it as well at their developer conference. And it, I'm thinking the second half of the year we'll probably see the product, but it would not surprise me if at uh, their unpacked event on February 21 in San Francisco where they're going to announce the S10, it wouldn't surprise me if they also unveiled this product as well. It probably won't be available for months, but it wouldn't surprise me if they do this. The reason being it's a few days ahead of Mobile World Congress. They'll get the jump against uh, of, over all the other brands. So it wouldn't surprise me if perhaps they may uh, unveil this product as well. So it's going to have that AMOLED screen, uh, small screen on the front, AMOLED screen inside, opens up like a book, and then you get the larger screen on the inside. But uh, they're not alone. There's other companies. Huawei came out just a few days ago and uh, revealed that not only is it going to be a foldable device, it's also going to be a 5G device as well. So Huawei, among the first as well, uh, of the major brands, to introduce a folding phone. 
Well, at the Consumer Electronics Show, we, we also saw the world's first foldable phone, and this was from Royal. This is a, a Chinese company. The product is called the Flex Pi. Now, this was a device that I, I compared to a wallet. So the screen is actually on the outside. So imagine you're holding your wallet in your hand, and the exterior of the wallet is a screen. So the front half is a screen, the back half is a screen. When you open it up completely, the whole thing is a larger screen, a single screen. And uh, it, it is, uh, it's, a bit, it's a very chunky product, though, pretty large, a bit cumbersome. Not as sleek and sophisticated, I think, as a lot of customers have come uh, become used to with their devices. But it uh, it did it did work very easily well. The few minutes that we had it in our hands, and there is a video of us using it uh, on Tech Guide on our YouTube channel as well. The uh, we did handle it and did use it, took photos with it, and it seemed okay. Now it's uh, it appears to be running Android. We're not exactly sure, but uh, it just gave us a taste of what's to come. Other companies uh, are thinking of doing the same, uh, including Motorola. Who remembers Motorola and that great Razer flip phone? That They were absolutely dominating with that device. Uh, but then when the iPhone was introduced and smartphones came along, the flip phone kind of died. But it may see a resurgence. I've seen some video online, and again, this is in my YouTube video that I just posted yesterday, of a possible return of the Razer. But this time out, the you open up the device and the screen runs top to bottom inside. Remember before the screen was in the top half, keypad and buttons on the bottom half. Well, imagine the whole thing when you open it up is a screen. It'll be probably slightly wider as well. So in total, your screen size could be up to like seven inches if it's completely opened. And then you turn it on its side and you've got this beautiful cinema screen shaped screen. So you, uh, you can view your movies and your content on the go. So it really, it's it's a look. This is a fact. We're getting the folding phones, and uh, expect to see them as soon as uh, a couple of weeks. We've already seen the Flex Pi, which we've had on Tech Guide, but Samsung, Huawei, other brands are going to probably come up with them. Don't forget Oppo. All these other companies are going to probably do something. But what about Apple? What are they going to do? I, I don't think they're going to have a folding phone anytime in 2019. Uh, perhaps next year. The whole idea for a folding phone, you, you think about it, it's it's for you to enjoy the convenience of a phone, so you have your normal phone size screen, but then when you want to do things like watch your content and look at it on a bigger like multitask or do things like that, then you can open it up for the larger screen, which effectively is a tablet. So what we're buying with these foldable devices, you can't really call them phones because it's both a phone and when you open it up, it's a tablet as well. So what we're buying is this all-in-one product that's going to uh, allow us to use it as a phone and then allows us to use it the same product as a tablet. So that means we won't need to buy a tablet. So think of this in, in Apple terms now. iPhone is their bread and butter, make a lot of money. iPad is also a very popular category. Again, very, very popular, make a lot of money, successful Apple isn't going to come up with one product that's going to possibly replace one of those lineups because you, you think you think about it. Apple, let's call it the folding device, Apple folding device will in one instance be your iPhone and then if you open it up, it's going to be your iPad. So it's going to cannibalize one, at least one of those categories if and when it comes out, which 
could lead me to believe that uh, Apple may not even go down that path anytime soon. The, the tablet market is still very healthy for them. Other companies, not so much. Samsung, yeah, they've got a good tablet, solid tablet market, but nothing like the sort of market share that Apple has. And these other brands, Huawei has probably, uh, their tablet market is virtually non-existent. They make tablets, but they probably sell 0.01% of the world's tablets. So for them, it's a win-win on both sides. For Apple, maybe not. They'll, they'll have a device that can be your iPhone, and it'll be great, and it could be your iPad, and it'll be also great. So I don't think Apple's going to rush into this market. They, they haven't in the past. They, they've got a habit of waiting, holding back, and then coming up with this incredible version of a product. Like the, the iPod is probably the best example of, of, a, of a product where it wasn't the first MP3 player. But when Apple did it and introduced it, it was perfect, and it was the, it was the best MP3 player. So, uh, you know, the same thing you could be said for tablets. There were tablets before the iPad, but Apple made it a consumer product. And the phone, they totally revolutionized the smartphone as well. So Apple, whatever they do is going to be really interesting. Whether they do it right away and whether they want to jeopardize these already healthy markets for them, their categories, is, a, is another story. But you know what? I've got a prediction here. I see, I see folding phones and these, I should clarify that, expandable phones I, I think is going to be the, the, the future. And the reason I think that is from not from seeing another phone but from a television that I saw at the Consumer Electronics Show. It's the LG OLED R. Now, this was a TV that had a screen that rolls up out of a cabinet to its full 65-inch size. So OLED is flexible, as is AMOLED on your phone. So think about that for a minute. Imagine in the future being able to shrink that technology down where turn it on its side, you're holding a small device, and then you can then maybe, like a scroll, pull out a bit of the screen for your phone, for your phone needs, when you want to do something a bit larger, watch a movie or some content or a game, you then can pull it further out of that of that device. So, it, so taking that LG OLED R design, flipping it on its side, making it small enough to fit in your hand, imagine that as a device. So you can have it as a pull out a small portion of the screen for your phone needs or messaging, whatever you need. And then when you want to sit down and do, do some maybe – be a bit more productive or watch a movie or multitask several apps, then you can pull that screen out of that, out of that block even further. So have maybe a 10-inch screen. That, to me, well, the, the technology exists. I know it's a tel- television and on a larger scale, but that, to me, would be the ideal solution. Forget the folding things, and you could keep the device relatively small because the screen is going to roll out from the device. That's what I'd do if it was up to me. That would be my ideal device, which would be both a phone and a tablet for me. Now, if you want to see more and you can see all the the devices and examples and all that overlay, you can read our story on Tech Guide, which has the YouTube video in there as well. But head over to the Tech Guide YouTube channel and subscribe. We're going to be doing a lot more video this year. So we want you to uh, help uh, help us build our audience. So get in there, subscribe, and you'll get a notification for all our videos when they're released. But the first one uh, we did, or the most recent one we did, we've done videos before, but the most recent one we did was all about the foldable, whether foldable or rollable uh, is the phone of the future. You want to read more about that? Check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick.
While on the subject of phones, a significant uh, event and announcement from Optus uh, last week was the rollout of their 5G network, well, the start of the rollout of their 5G network. It was held down in Canberra, in the Canberra suburb of Dixon. And the minute I arrived, I went down there, flew down to Canberra for the event. The minute I arrived at the venue, which was actually at a tennis club, I understood immediately why it was being held there because literally, almost literally in the shadow of a tower, the event was held. So you could look look up through the trees and see one of the first 5G Optus towers there in the Canberra suburb of Dixon. I've put a picture on Tech Guide of that actual tower and even circled the 5G cell that has been added to that tower to connect the 5G network. There are two sites live already in Dixon in Canberra, one live in Sydney, but by the end of March this year, there's going to be more than 47 sites activated, and by March next year, so March 2020, there's going to be more than 1,200 sites that are going to be active. We've put a full list of all the the planned rollout in, in each state. There's nine in the ACT, 22 sites in New South Wales, 13 in Queensland, three in South Australia, 13 in WA. That's the first, that, that'll be the first year of rollout. Sorry, Tasmania, not, nothing there for you, but there are uh, plenty in on the mainland. But uh, that, that this is going to be the start of the rollout that is going to commence, and it's going to be Nokia that is uh, assisting with the, with the network, not Huawei, which was a previous partner of Optus, they actually helped them build the 4G network, 4G LTE network. They have been excluded from the bids by the Australian government uh, for reasons. Well, the, the, the reason is they're, they're fearful of uh, Chinese spying, Chinese intervention. Uh, you know, as I said, they're already here. They built the 4G network, but the government thought uh, better safe than sorry and ruled Huawei out of the bid, which is the reason why Nokia got the job and uh, are going to help roll out this 5G network. So what does it mean for customers? What does this mean? And I think immediately the focus of Optus is obviously not on mobile with 5G. It's on home broadband. And they even use that event to announce a 5G home broadband bundle, which will be offered for $70 a month with a minimum speed guarantee of 50 megabits per second. So this modem that comes with the bundle is made by Nokia as well. Uh, it's got five antennas. It's a, cer- a cylindrical device, and it will, can pick up signals, obviously, the 5G signal. So you need to be in a 5G area. You can register your interest so that when the 5G sites in your area go live, you'll receive a notification and could potentially use this as your home broadband bundle. Unlimited data as well it comes with, so no need to uh, to worry about your data allowances there. And 50 megabits per second minimum speed. I know there's some NBN customers that would give their right arm to have 50 megabits per second. So in some cases, this could be an NBN killer for some customers, because you think about it, I think last week we spoke about customers that are eligible for a refund on the NBN because they were getting crappy speeds with fibre to the node. They were lucky they were still getting single-figure download speeds, which that, and that's the NBN. So you can imagine the, how welcome this product would be for those sorts of customers uh, that are getting minimum, and that's a minimum guarantee of 50 megabits per second. Now, theoretically, 
5G is capable of speeds of of two two gigabits per second, which is twenty times faster than the NBN. So imagine that having that kind of speed at your disposal. Fifty megabits per second will be the minimum that they're going to give you in in live areas. So uh, I think a really important announcement that is, and I, I did have a chat to Alan Liu, the Optus chief executive, and he was telling me that uh, mobile is the first play for Optus. And Telstra uh, are saying that they're going to be having devices in the first half of the year and prom- making all these promises. But Alan Liu is he, sort of taking more of a measured approach on the mobile side. He, he told me, uh, he said, mobile's not ready. The devices aren't ready. That maybe mid-year at the earliest is when we'll see devices that customers will accept, that they will appreciate. They're not going to go this big clunky device because it's got new technology. So he, the feeling we got there was that second half of the year we'll say we'll see where when Optus start offering compatible five G handsets to its customers. And I asked him, I said, "Well, Telstra are claiming that you're going to be uh, they're going to have their devices in." the first half of this year. And his response is, and I'll read this quote, he said, let's wait and see. The mobile part of 5G has got a ways to go and we do depend on not just ourselves to deliver it, but our partners. And of course, these handsets have to look nice, otherwise they won't be accepted by customers. Re- reason I'm reading this rather than playing the interview is that uh, the sound quality was really poor. We were in a very windy uh, spot and uh, I, I was. It's just, not, it's just not good enough quality to play on the podcast here. It's just too windy. I could, you could we could barely hear each other. So that's the reason why I'm reading his quotes rather than playing the actual interview that we did. So uh, yeah, he's saying that uh, mobile uh, is this, is more secondary. Broadband, home broadband is kind of their focus at the moment. And then when the handsets arrive, we'll see a lot more of them as well. So Optus, pretty exciting times there with a 5G network. And of course, they're going head-to-head with Telstra, who always want to be the first. Everyone, each, each of these networks wants to build out that network as best they can, retain their customers, maybe even invite new customers on board as well. So keep an eye on that. Uh, there's two stories we've written about it, uh, about the initial rollout, uh, as well as our story uh, quoting Mr. Lou, the Optus CEO. Uh, and he says that, yes, this could replace the NBN some customers so definitely worth checking out if you want to take a read of those stories you know where to find them techguide.com.au well can you believe it facebook is 15 years old 15 years ago today i'm recording this on february the 4th uh 15 years ago february the 4th 2004 a young man by the name of Mark Zuckerberg in his Harvard dormitory uh, launched a, a new website. He was 19 years old. Harvard undergraduate Mark Zuckerberg launched The Facebook. And it was called Facebook then. It was The Facebook. And was initially offered, though, only to Harvard students. So it was. it took... It went from Harvard to other Ivy League colleges, and it wasn't until two and a half years later in September of 06 where Facebook opened up to everyone else, to anyone aged 13 or over. And the controversial birth of the company has been immortalized in a film, actually, The Social Network, written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by David Fincher. 
it's focused on the battle with between Zuckerberg and the Winklevoss twins, Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, who claim they actually came up with the idea of a Harvard Facebook. Uh, it, it is a brilliant film, and if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, the Facebook uh, staff and Mark Zuckerberg himself will question the accuracy of, of those events, but uh, the film was based on a book that was uh, written at the time that followed the case and uh, it, it, is a, it is an amazing film, definitely worth watching. The film also showcases, of course, Facebook's amazing growth. Now, when the site launched in 2004, four days after launch, so February the 8th, 2004, there was about 650 users, which is not bad. Four days old, that's decent growth. Nine months later, it would only take nine months for the social media platform to crack its first million users, which is remarkable. Today, I think there's more than 2 billion users. I think in 2015 is when they crossed the billion milestone. So here we are four years later, then they're now 2 billion users. So remarkable growth there. In 2006, Facebook actually overtook Google briefly as the most visited website in the U.S., and at the time, Facebook wasn't the only, wasn't the first and wasn't the only social media platform. Cast your mind back to that time and there was a little platform called MySpace. How many of you remember that? Now, this was a platform that was eventually acquired by News Corp for about $600 million and immediately News Corp took it in the direction of driving ad revenue and trying to obviously recoup their investment. And that kind of worked against them because Facebook, the strength of its platform was that the users were, were shaping the platform. The users were the best engineers for the platform at that time. And they weren't chasing the ad revenue dollars. They are now kind of almost sort of behind the scenes they're doing that kind of without us knowing. But that, that's kind of what was the beginning of the end for MySpace was the, the, them chasing heavily the advertising revenue. Uh, but another big thing, another shot in the arm for Facebook was the launch of the iPhone. So the whole smartphone, introduction of the smartphone with the new iPhone back in 2007, that really started the rocket growth as well. And uh, Facebook was one of the first mobile apps of the, new, of the new iPhone and then eventually Android. And now most of its traffic is from mobile, can you believe? So that, that's uh, pretty significant. It is also, uh, Facebook has not only uh, grown, but they've also made tremendous amounts of money uh, over the years through advertising. They're now listed on the stock exchange, which we'll talk about in a moment, but they've acquired other platforms. Now, I'm not sure most of you probably know that Facebook actually owns Instagram, which they purchased for $1 billion, that's $1 billion with a B, back in 2012. Now, at the time, everyone thought, wow, how, how much, that's so much money. But looking back on it, like Instagram is probably worth $100 billion now, if not more. So that was kind of a bargain back there seven years ago. The other major acquisition for Facebook was WhatsApp. And that's a popular app that I'm sure you've heard about. And I don't know whether you knew this either. WhatsApp is so popular. But it was purchased by Facebook for $19 billion back in 2014. Uh, so, yeah, they own Instagram, they own WhatsApp, and there's even talk that Facebook's thinking of uh, 
bringing all of the messaging platforms for those three apps, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp into one platform. But uh, I don't know whether that's going to succeed or whether it's actually going to go ahead, but that was the talk last week. Uh, Facebook also acquired a virtual reality startup Oculus VR as well. That was a lazy $2 billion. They paid for that as well. Facebook went public in 2012, uh, one of the largest IPOs. That's initial public offering. One of the largest IPOs ever with 421,235,615 shares offered at a price of 38 US dollars a share. Don't know whether you got in at the, on the ground floor, but if you did, you're not going too bad because today shares are trading at 165 US dollars, which is solid after hitting a high of $218. So that's pretty good. Now, Facebook, of course, hasn't been without its controversies. There's been plenty over the years, privacy issues and data issues, how our data is used and and targeted advertising and all these things. But the most controversial was just recently with the uh, revelations from Cambridge Analytica, who apparently used personal data harvested from Facebook apps that were shared without users' consent. Now, this was such a controversial uh, issue that Mark Zuckerberg even fr- even fronted the U.S. Senate hearings about this. So it's uh, how that data was, was harvested was the big issue there. Uh, more recently, they even experienced a data breach. In 30 million accounts compromised. I think it was in September last year they, they, they announced that as well. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of people. 30 million out of 2 billion is relatively small, but it's still 30 million. A worry there. A lot of people are concerned about how data is used with Facebook and you can take control. We've spoken about this in the past. You can take control of how your data is used, what apps can access things from your profile, all these things you can control. But Facebook is 15 years old. Can you believe it? Were you an early, were you an early Facebook user? How, what, what year did you join Facebook? I think I joined Facebook in 2007, so I was a pretty early adopter. I think it was September 06 was when it was available to everybody. I think in early 07 is when I jumped on board. Uh, I can tell that because you know how it gives you your Facebook memories every day. Some of them go back as far as early 2007. That's how I know. And you, you can find that information out as well. But hit us up on Twitter, at Stephen Fennec. Tweet me. Tell me when you joined Facebook uh, or leave a comment on our, on our Facebook page, uh, Tech Guide Facebook page, which uh, we have shared this story there as well. Tell us when you joined Facebook. And are you still a member of Facebook as well? That's important to know also. If you want to read more about this story, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, you probably have antivirus on your computers and tablets, which is great. But did you know that your router could be letting hackers into your home? The router is the heart of the connected home, but can also provide an entry point for hackers to attack anything connected to your network. They can infect your devices, steal your information, and even spy on your home. And unfortunately, just password protecting your router won't block these threats. 
Introducing Norton Core. This is a smart and more secure Wi-Fi router that delivers speed and security all in one. Norton Core delivers next-gen Wi-Fi speeds to every corner of your home, while at the same time helping to protect all your connected devices, things like computers, phones, smart TVs, baby monitors, gaming consoles, smart speakers, and many more. Protects all of those products from digital threats by helping to block them at the network level. It's also got built-in parental control, so Norton Core also lets you set screen time limits by device or by user. You can set content filters and even pause the internet across your entire home, all from an easy-to-use smartphone app. Now, Norton Core is available right now at the bargain price of $98. So if you want to increase security for your home, it's the more smart, more secure Wi-Fi router and available now for 98 bucks at your local Harvey Norman store. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide. Alrighty, first up in our reviews is a product from Uniden, Uniden AppCam 56. And before I start, actually, I should mention that it was uh, announced today that several uh, cameras in the Uniden range now are compatible with Google Assistant, which means you can view the stream on your television, on smart displays, uh, and ask for them. You can ask for them by voice. So an easy way to access your streams. Uh, you can, of course, use the app as well to to have live views from the from your connected cameras. But uh, yeah, a, a significant announcement. There's a few cameras that already compatible and there will be more though uh, down the track so keep an eye on that but uh, and one of them is included actually this camera we're talking about today the guardian AppCam x56 is one of those devices so uh worth worth it uh, just just to have that convenience as well now this is a, a a camera that is not your typical security camera you know a lot of the security cameras are fixed so you need to aim them they've got a very wide angle and what you see from you as you place it is what you get. This is slightly different. The AppCam X56 is full HD, but is also a pan, tilt, and zoom indoor camera. So this is meant for indoors. It's not. It's not a, an all-weather camera. So if you need to be, uh, if you need a camera for outside, that you can see the AppCam Solo Plus devices that you can use outside. They're all-weather products. This is an indoor camera. So great for monitoring in, indoors, uh, you know, your office workspaces, whatever, wherever you need to keep an eye on things. You can uh, install this. Now you can install it right way up so you can rest it on a surface or you can even turn it upside down and mount it to the ceiling, say in the corner of the ceiling so you can have a great view of the whole room. And then in the settings, it's really easy just to, uh, to, to flip it, the image so that uh, you can see things the right way up. And, of course, there's a, an app that goes with it that allows you to view live and also pan, zoom, and tilt the camera. Installation is really fast. We installed ours. It took us five minutes to have this connected, installed, uh, using the Guardian Pro app as well. So we were able to uh, not only set it up, but also then play around with the camera, zoom, tilt, uh, pan it around the room, and record live. You can you can set it for motion detection and all that as well. So uh, a really handy, handy device to uh, to track whatever you want to do. Indoors, of course. You can't use this outdoors unless it's like under – you might be able to get away with it on, on like a porch. If you've got a front porch, you might be able to have that under there as long as it's protected from the, from the elements, the rain. Uh, so – might work there. That's technically indoors, but uh, it is designed for to be. It's not weatherproof, so just just 
keep keep an eye on that. Remember that, but. In our case, we've set it up uh, in our. Uh, I set it up in my theatre, so I can uh, keep an eye on things. If there's anyone poking around in my theatre, I can find out about it. Full HD uh, is the resolution, and you can save that directly to a micro SD card, or you can have an external hard drive connected, or you can save it up in the cloud in the Uniden cloud as well. Now this pans. 355 degrees so it, it can almost pan in a complete circle so if you've got a, a very wide area to monitor then you can pan uh, up almost in a complete circle 360 degrees is completely uh, in a circle 355 is what you can do tilt 90 degrees and of course you've got a digital zoom as well it's also got motion tracking so it can actually pan with objects that are moving so they remain in frame. So it'll focus on a person, for example. Uh, and you can also zoom in for closer views. And it's also got two-way talk. So you can actually talk through the camera. If there's someone in front of the camera, you can have two-way audio and chat with them via the smart your smartphone app. Or you can use it, of course, on your tablet. And there is also night vision, of course. So even with the lights off, this thing works. So you can monitor up to 10 meters in complete darkness. So if you've got... Uh, you need to see inside, in the dark. This can handle it as well. A lot of great features there and handy because it is controllable. If you've got like a, a normal security camera, only has about like 160. Some have 180 degree uh, view. So that's kind of seeing in front of you. Uh, if you need to have a, a wider view of that, then you can 355 degrees beats all the others. And But you do need to, to pan around. Supports up to 128 gig micro SD cards for local storage uh, as well. And that's that's a lot of room to have your videos and you can access them, as I said, from your remotely from the app so you can view live or view your recordings from the app as well. A handy little product, that one, the Uniden Guardian AppCam X56. And it is uh, Google Assistant uh, compatible as well, which is a, that's a big deal. If you especially got a smart display, you want to keep an eye on things, definitely worth looking at there. You want to read our review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. All righty, next up we're talking about Kensington's Dock. Now, this is, uh, if you've got a laptop computer, and you maybe share a desk or your hot desk or whatever you like to do, then this is the device for you. This is really handy because it can maximize your efficiency, I reckon. This this is a, the Kensington Dock. It's the LD5400T Dock. Uh, it's Thunderbolt 3 compatible and can add. it allows you to have your laptop securely inserted into the dock. So it, the dock... Uh, sits behind the laptop and there's two security arms that lock the laptop in place because you got to remember it combines Kensington's two main strengths and that's security and building excellent accessories for your computer so it's got both of them in one so while it locks your uh, laptop inside the dock the dock can then be secured with a with a Kensington cable which you can then lash to your desk and uses the 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 proprietary Kensington lock. So not only is it secure, it is very, very handy as well. Now what it adds is a is the four Thunder the Thunderbird Thunderbird <laughs> the, the Thunderbolt three ports, which allows you to connect 
uh, a 5K monitor or two 4K monitors. So imagine uh, the added screen space you can add to your existing laptop. You can really uh, increase your productivity, multitask really easily. There's also USB 3 ports, four of them, uh, as well as a headphone jack and an Ethernet port if you want to connect directly to uh, the Internet. Of course, you need to connect a cable from the dock to one of your USB-C ports. So it can fit laptops up to 15 inches in size, including the MacBook Pro and any other USB-C powered laptop. Uh, so you, you can uh, easily connect this to a monitor. For our testing, our review, we connected it to a 32-inch monitor, and it allows us it allowed us to have extra space for us. So we still had our laptop screen, but we uh, extended our, our screen to the monitor, so we had all this extra space to use as well. So if you're one of these people who uh, needs to position your laptop near a monitor, Maybe your office setup is that you take your laptop home with you at the end of the day, and then when you come back, you, you hook the laptop back up to uh, the dock, and then you're good to go. This is an ideal product for you. And the the beauty of this is it's got Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt 3. That's what really, that's the special source here. That's what really connects your monitors really quickly. Now, a lot of people say, well, can I just get away with getting a little USB-C a little dongle. Well, they, they they don't support Thunderbolt three. Thunderbolt three, the speed and uh, for for the monitor connection, uh, you do need a, a product like the Kensington Dock to be able to handle that. One thing it doesn't have, uh, a couple of things it doesn't have, is a memory card slots. I thought that'd be a really cool little addition to to the product. Have been able to connect your cards in the back, uh, but no, you still need your your traditional USB C dongles for that. It also doesn't have HDMI, a HDMI slot to connect your laptop to a monitor or a smart TV. TV. There is a dongle you can get for that, but uh, you, Thunderbolt 3 is way better than HDMI anyway. But uh, again, if you've got a dongle, HDMI can help you there, but USB-C, uh, Thunderbolt 3, which looks like a USB-C port, that is the, the go when, when, when you want to connect a monitor. The speed, the data transfer, that's way better than HDMI. Uh, the other thing uh, is that it, it's because it sits at the back of your laptop, You've got to really reach around to the back. In fact, you've got, to, you've got to stand up to connect things. And so if you are, that, that that's a, not a real deal breaker, but a, a minor inconvenience if you do want to get up and change cables and add cables and do things like that. That was, uh, that was a little bit of a hassle, not too bad. Now, the security arms. You're probably thinking, well, geez, can't someone just pull the security arms, uh, arms open and, uh, and take off with your laptop? Well, no, they can't because the security arms actually are, are activated by a tiny fob that comes with the dock. So you place the fob on the side of the device and it unlocks the arm. So you can, you can then spread them out, take your laptop uh, and then be and then be gone. Uh, but then again, when you want to come back, you tap the, the fobs to unlock it again and then uh, once you then push the arms in, they sort of the arms go in on either side of the screen and rest just above above the keyboard there. There's pictures on Tech Guide, you can see it a bit more clearly uh, and then it locks it into place. And then you can carry that fob around on your key ring as well. So uh, you don't leave that laying around the desk because someone could grab it and then unlock your, your laptop. So security is always uh, in, in mind there. So you're not going to lose anything. Security uh, and convenience come together with this product. Now, another thing about it, it isn't cheap. The Kensington Dock is $449.99. Let's call it $450, but it does add a lot of convenience to your laptop experience. So rather than you going out and buying uh 
large desktop computer and all this sort of stuff. The laptop now is powerful enough to, to, to run two monitors through a device like this. So if you're a serious user, then this is a decent investment. If, if you don't really need to connect two monitors and really go to town with your, with your laptop, then you might give this one a miss. But if you're serious about this, if you're a hot desker, sharing a desk, you want to have, increase your productivity from your laptop, uh, then this is the one for you. And, of course, you can add a keyboard and mouse so that you can have your laptop off to the side and still have full view of the of the monitors as well because uh, you can't close the laptop lid. It's got to be open all the time because of the security arm. So uh, you, you, could, you can still, of course, access your keyboard on your laptop if you have to, but then that kind of blocks your view of the monitors in front of you. You need to have it off to the side if you want to do that, or best solution would be, and we've got pictures of it on Tech Guide, have a separate keyboard and mouse so that you're totally unencumbered if you want to stay productive. The Kensington LD 5400T dock, that's a uh, Thunderbolt 3 dock, it's $449.99. Well worth it if you're a serious user. And if you want to read our full review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Next up, we're chatting about Audible, uh, and they're in the news again with another campaign. Remember last year? It's already been a year since they had uh, Michael Bolton. Remember that commercial? That was cool. I'm a, I'm a, not, I'm a fan of Michael Bolton, and I actually got, got to see him at their launch event last year uh, for the campaign. But this year, a uh, new campaign, and it's starring actress and comedian Rebel Wilson. And it's a funny one, this one, because it's it's out there. Of course, Audible is the massive source of audiobooks, one of the biggest sources on the planet for audiobooks. And they set this campaign up to uh, like it was a political campaign with Rebel Wilson starring as the Minister for Words. And the mission was to make words great again. Now, this is backed up by a bit of research. Uh, audible.com.au showed that 80% of Aussies feel their conversations are, are more negative as a result of listening to dishonest politicians and depressing news and completely uninspiring leaders and public figures. So uh, th- that was the basis of this research and this campaign to find words that are uplifting and inspiring and in the form, of course, of audiobooks. So the commercial shows Rebel at her in her political rally, but then uh, seeing customers in the real world, there's a woman on, on a treadmill in the gym listening to her friend, the people next to her on the other machines just gas bagging and her being really depressed while she's on the treadmill. And then Rebel Wilson places uh, a pair of headphones on her uh, so that she can hear a book and then suddenly she she, she becomes alive and uh, is inspired by the book she's listening to. Similar thing happens with a woman laying in bed and another person on a bus. They get the headphones placed on them and they are able to hear these inspiring words from these brilliant audio books. It is uh, it is a funny little campaign, but I've, I'll say up front here: I'm a massive fan of audio books, and in particular Audible. I'm listening to audio books all the time. I, I finish one and start one straight away. It allows me to get through books really quickly. I can, if I was to read a book, it might take me a couple of weeks, but if I can hear a book, I can listen to the whole thing in just a matter of days because I, I'm listening to it when I'm walking, when I'm driving, when I'm training. All these 
times when I couldn't typically read, I'm able to hear this book. And it's read to me. That's, that's half the appeal. It's a performance. The narrator really uh, does a great job in relaying the book to you. So if it's a, it's a work of fiction, uh, it's a performance. Uh, even if it's nonfiction, there's some, there's some great narrators that really add to the enjoyment of the book. Uh, and, and hence the reason why this, uh, the, the, the books are so enjoyable to hear and this, why this campaign is, uh, has, has started in the first place. The interesting research, though, uncovered some interesting facts. Now, have you all heard of Magda Sabansky, I'm sure? She is believed to be the best representation of how an average Australian speaks. So topics covered, language used, she's typical of how an Aussie would talk. Now, international public figures were more trusted than those from Australia, would you believe? Michelle Obama topped the list of most trustworthy figures. She happens to have a book in the bestseller list as well there and uh, narrated by herself. So her book, narrated by her. And I've got to say, there was another audio book that I listened to uh, in the uh, last year. It was Hillary Clinton's book, What Happened, narrated by Hillary Clinton. So Hillary Clinton was talking to me. She was reading her book to me. And same thing you can do with Michelle Obama. Uh, 72% of Australians think that some public figures could benefit from using better and more inspiring words. That's why this campaign was started in the first place. So uh, interesting, those stats. And they've obviously want to back up the reason why they're kicking off this campaign. Listening to good audio books, uh, it, it is inspiring. I've got to say, I've heard some great audio books. Uh, I've learned a lot of things from audio books. And I'm a massive fan. I've even shared Rebel Wilson's favorite audio books with you as well. And, uh, and that includes Becoming by Michelle Obama, which we mentioned as well, narrated by Michelle Obama herself. Reckoning by Magda Zabansky, narrated by Magda Zabansky, which is who has been named as the your typical Australian, uh, Australian voice there. Even The Happiest Refugee by Ando, narrated by, you guessed it, Ando. What I Know For Sure by Oprah Winfrey, narrated by Oprah herself. So you can see where we're going here. Uh, her number one book, though, was Matilda, written by Roald Dahl. Uh, that's narrated by Kate Winslet. So you see some some pretty top-name actors and actresses that are also lending their voices to these books as well because, as I said, it's a performance. It's incredible. Definitely worth listening to. Uh, check it out, Audible, and we've, we've put the campaign. You can view uh, the the campaign video on our story on Tech Guide, Rebel Wilson, some of her best work there. So if you want to check that out, you know where to head to techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand, and they're the company behind Orbi, and they're issuing the Orbi Challenge. If you buy a Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi kit, you can get better home Wi-Fi or your money back. So take the Orbi home Wi-Fi challenge today. They wouldn't issue this challenge if they weren't confident in this product. Orbi Wi-Fi systems, they're designed for any size home, large or small, from apartments and lofts to single-family homes and sprawling estates. No more dead zones, no black spots, just better Wi-Fi across the board. And for those times when you need a little more, Orbi add-on satellites gives you additional coverage inside and out. 
perfect for backyards, garages, and even the granny flat. In today's modern household, Orbis tri-band Wi-Fi system lets you stream your favourite movies in 4K and play online games by providing ultra-fast Wi-Fi no matter how many devices are connected. Orbi plugs into your existing modem and is really easy to set up with just a couple of clicks. And not only does it work great, it looks great too and blends into your home's decor. Orbi's the easiest, fastest, most expansive and advanced mesh Wi-Fi network available today. And don't forget, take the Orbi Home Wi-Fi Challenge, better home Wi-Fi or your money back. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. Answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Couple of questions on the Tech Guide Help Desk this week. Uh, the first is I had an, an email from a reader uh, who was who'd received a notification about Google Plus. Now, Google Plus is the social network that Google attempted to create, and uh, they've decided now to shut down. So, didn't really work out for them. But the reader was concerned that look, I've, I've got an email about this Google Plus business. Does that mean that Gmail and Google Photos are going away as well? Uh, no, it doesn't. Google Plus is uh, going to shut down. Gmail and Google Photos are still going. To be there for you, no matter. That's uh, they're not going to get rid of those things. <laughs> they are super big, super important. Google Plus, not so much. That's gonna that's going to be shut down this week. The other question I had was about my solar panels. Now it's been more than a year since I installed my panels and my and had my Sonnen battery installed. Uh, and I've had uh, messages from readers who are still thinking, look, do I get solar panels? They've obviously read my story, uh, which was written almost a year ago now, about uh, 10 months ago. And their question is, are you still happy with the system? Would you still, what would you do different? My answer is, yes, I'm very happy with the system. One of the best investments I ever made. And the other question is, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, the answer, I would not change a thing. I'm very happy with the system. Uh, my electricity bills, I know I do no longer get an Energy Australia bill. I get a, a bill from Sonnen. So the system was set up with Sonnen flat, which means that all the batteries from Sonnen customers are linked. Sonnen play that for them to do their grid balancing, they charge me $40 a month, which is for the grid balancing. And if there's any additional power I need from other batteries, then I get that as well. I've got uh, 20, I've got 27 panels on my roof which I think 7.6 kilowatts worth of panels. I've got a 10 kilowatt battery as well. So during the day, the panels are powering my house. Excess power is put into the battery. At night, the battery powers the house. And then the very next morning, it all starts again. So I'm paying $40 a month for my grid balancing. So that's $120 a quarter. Back uh, a year and a half ago when I was receiving electricity bills, those bills were about $650 to $800, $900 a quarter as well. So the savings are obvious there. This system is going to pay itself off in about four to five years. So yes, to answer your questions, I am very happy with my panels and my Sonnen battery and absolutely would not change a thing and highly recommend for people to maybe contact Natural Solar there. That's who installed it for me. Uh, they are one of the uh, exclusive distributors of the Sonnen batteries. And of course, they can install your panels. I've also got a solar edge inverter as well, so uh, definitely worth it. If you're thinking about doing it, get get on the get on the phone. I think get it get a quote, get it done now. You're going to be amazed how much money you're going to save with your electricity bills. If you want to read more about that, we've written it up on TechGuide.com.au.
And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. Emphasis on the word here. You click on the blue icon in Tech Guide, hit that record button. You can record a voice bite. So you, rather than emailing me a question, you can ask me a question in your own voice. You've got 15 seconds to record your question. You can share it with me. I will receive that audio, play it right here on the Tech Guide podcast and answer the question on the show as well. So please hit that record button. Really easy to sign up and record your question. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to still send us an email, we're not going to ignore those, but info at techguide.com.au is the place to send them. We want to give a special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.